Hello, everybody. I just want you to be aware I will be at Falls View Casino in Niagara Falls on February 7th, a Saturday night. Go to fallsviewcasinoandresort.com, find out the information, and you better show up. Because if you don't, you may find a horse's head in your bed. Speak softly loud So no one hears us but the sky The vows of love we made We live on till we die My life is yours And I'll be cold You came into my world With love so softly Good evening, everyone, and guess what? We're back. This is Gianni Russo with Pat Piccinelli. Hi, everybody. Hello, everybody. And Megan uh, Melania. We're not giving you her last name because we don't want you to bother her. People know it already. It's out there. I heard that. I saw it in a bathroom. No, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why there? <laughs> I, I don't, well, it's a bad joke. You don't know. Bad joke, bad joke, bad joke. No, I got the joke. Anyway, sorry. please check in. Thank you for all your mail. We're getting our, our, our listening audience is growing, which is, that's any anybody in our business, that's what you want. So mm-hmm. thank you for that. We appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Thank mm-hmm. you very much. And um, tonight we're going to talk about a gentleman that became an icon, like so many other great icons in shock radio and informative radio. But again, our compadre here happens to know him personally. Personal connection. Always. Yep. Always. That's why. Being a cop, maybe I should have been a cop. I don't know. You got your personal connection. Okay, it's like, like we said in uh, last week's episode, there's a fine line between what you do and what I do. That's right. Very fine, apparently. <laughs> you, you guys just dress sometimes. Nice. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're talking about John Imus, the late John Imus, the late John Imus. John Donald Imus. Oh, Donald, I'm sorry. See, see you're, you're so, he's so close. Do you know the mother and father's name too? Oh, yeah, and, and, and their cats. In fact, in fact, Don left me his cat. Here he is. Oh, you're kidding. No, I'm kidding. Oh. He is kidding. <laughs> but he went by a few names, right? It was Don no, Imus, no, no. just was, Imus? Uh, his, his, his given name uh, was John Donald Imus, but he went by Don Imus. Okay. But for those of you. Don Imus? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Or just yeah, he, Imus. He went by Don. But uh, for those of you who don't know who he was, uh, because you're of a certain age, uh, the term shock jock, uh, how it stirs into the world, mad cow in Chicago, or mad cow rather in Chicago, and so many others, uh, Opie and Anthony, they all came after Don Imus, who started the trend of the shock jock radio personality in the 1960s. Wow. He came on, up, up until then, you want to listen to the radio and you're a personality, you were relegated to Arthur Godfrey until guys like this guy came along and yeah. there were no rules. Arthur Godfrey. And he yeah. blazed the path for all those who came after him. And even Howard Stern, who uh, had a uh, rivalry with Don over the years, said, you know, without him, perhaps I wouldn't be here. Mm. Oh, wow. Uh, so he, g- he gave him credit. That's oh, good. he did give him credit, oh, yeah. Great. So anyway, he's... Don Imus was, was a powerhouse, and he started on uh, WNBC Radio in uh, New York and was there for many, many years, uh, uh, about 15 years. And in radio years, that's a lot of years, because you come and you go in that business uh, very rapidly. Uh, he had a huge listener audience, and he was also a simulcast on uh, television. Uh, for about 10 years. What you listen to on the radio, you could also watch. It was in the early on, morning hours, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, his his show went from 6 to 10. And if you hmm. didn't want to listen and you wanted to watch, you can turn on uh, MSNBC, and there was Don. Uh, oh, right so he was on MSNBC. As the show was being right, yeah. uh, broadcast. Well, that's a good but, idea. Uh, he, uh, he had the reputation of an old curmudgeon. You know, he was always getting himself in trouble for saying the wrong things to the wrong people, suspended all the time. But that was part of the shtick. That's yeah. what he did. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was also a powerhouse in the publishing industry. Uh, he was a very well-read guy. In fact, he published four books on his own. He was a writer. and he, well, I didn't uh, know that either. Published one. I, I, I recall the name of one. How's this for false modesty? The name of the book was God's Other Son. And it's about him? Yes. Oh, God. No way. How's that for a modest guy? Oh, yeah, very yeah, humble. Wow. Like yeah. you. 
humble guy. Very understated. Yeah. Uh, anyway, and, and he wrote uh, other books, and they were all uh, all very well received, all bestsellers. And he became very powerful in the, in, in the industry. He was known as the White Oprah Winfrey, because if he pushed a book, it was a bestseller. Hmm. He had something. He was sponsored. One of his sponsors was Barnes and Noble, and oh, he wow. had something in all the Barnes and Noble stores across the country. The Don Imus pick of the week. And when you went into a Barnes and Noble store, there was a life-size cutout figure of Don Imus. Really? And yes, what with year a was shelf this? there, and he was holding his Don Imus pick of the week. This was a big deal. Well, so when when did that start? I knew nothing about that. This started, the, the uh, Don Imus pick of the week probably started in about 1993 wow. and went through like 2005 or even further. Wow. Then that he was, as long as he had... Barnes and Noble as a sponsor, but the thing was, if you were Don Imus's pick of the week, you your career was made. Yeah. So, well, like you pointed that, out, Oprah Winfrey, that happened with my daughter. She was on her show. Yeah. And that night, they sold thirty thousand copies of Amazon. There you wow. Go. She did. Uh, her, Don, of course, Don, Don didn't have the audience she did, but yeah. still, he was strong, and every author wanted to be Don Imus's pick of the week. At the time, I was... Uh, so let me ask you a uh, question, being you were so okay. close to him. Why weren't we his pick of the week before he died? <laughs> because he didn't have that. Barnes & Noble was not his sponsor anymore. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, and totally I mean, he had Barnes & Noble uh, sponsoring for about 10 years, and then he moved on. He changed channels. He went to WFAN, which was a sports-oriented channel. A whole bunch of reasons. Anyway, these shows, as we all know, sponsors come, sponsors go. But at the time, I was... Uh, a struggling writer and uh, I hadn't sold a book. I had written two books uh, and they didn't say, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where to go. I wound up with two agents. Uh, my first agent uh, went to jail because oh. he was stealing writer's royalties. Okay. Oh. Cause I, I, I don't know if uh, listeners uh, are aware of this, but when you have an agent and it takes 15% of what you earn, when the publishers send the royalty checks, they don't send them to the writer. They send them to the agent. Oh. Uh, so made out to the taking... agent. So the agent takes yeah. his cut, cuts checks out to the writer, or in our case, Johnny and me, the writers, mm -hmm. and we get checks from the literary agency, not the publisher. So what this publisher was doing was getting the checks made out in his name and pocketing all the money. Wow. Uh, who, well, he was a degenerate gambler, and you, know, you have to say, get caught because the writers sooner yeah. or later are going to say, where's my dough? Yeah, right. hello. And that's how we got caught. Off he goes to jail. That was my first agent. Yikes. But how, second I'm, I, agent, just a question like that. What kind of time did he get for that? I don't know, but it was grand larceny, so he did felony time. Wow. Okay. Wow. Uh, my second agent uh, should have been in jail, and I don't want to go uh, to what <laughs> wow. she did, but she was a real conniver. She actually took me on and uh, withheld my books because she, she liked them, but what she told me was, nobody wants to buy your books, but hold it a second. I've got a, a, a small publisher who I think may be interested in your books. Now, they don't give advances. Oh my advances God. money oh, yeah, they give yeah. you before the book comes out. Right. Uh, but you'll be a published author, and based on sales, you'll get paid on the back end. So any first-time writer who's going to be a published author is thrilled with this. Mm -hmm. But I smelt a rat. Yeah, it was her. Don't fool She made the me. money. Yeah. I, I, I like the, well, you're I, a cop to begin with. That's down. stupid. I'm a cop, and now I'm a P.I., and I look at you and I know you're lying to me. So I said, there's something up here. So I check out the publishing company. And guess who owns it? She does. Who's got it? So oh all the books gosh. she liked, she withheld and said, "These nobody's interested, but this little company wants to wants to publish your book without an advance. So it was a win-win for her. Didn't have yeah. to lay out any money except for printing costs. Right. But ah. I called her on that and I exposed her to the industry. Good job. Yeah, well, she's still in business. Oh. oh, wow. But I don't know how big her business is because anybody can hang out a shingle. There's no licensing for literary agencies, ag agents rather. Oh, really? They can call themselves uh, an agent. We, anybody can do that. Huh. So she's still around, but I, 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 I did, I'm not going to mention her name, but uh, I, I destroyed the majority of her business. And oh. every opportunity I get, I, if anybody asks me, people come to me and say, hey, you know, I got uh, uh, a call from this, uh, this agent. Right. And if they mention her name, I immediately put stop to that i've Good. ruined some speaking engagements for her too she was wow. hired by colleges to speak to uh students in a uh in a uh, writing course uh for a writing degree mm -hmm. and if i find out about it i contact the college wow. she immediately she immediately gets cut 
So what would you attribute Imus's fame Imus, and notoriety? Uh, I was so frustrated that I took my manuscript, and he had the studios in Queens, the Silver Cup Studios, Silver Cup Bread. It used to be a yeah, bread factory. It's still there. And they turned it into a sound studio. That's where they that's shot where did the Sopranos. What's that? They shot the Sopranos there. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, the interiors. And, and yeah. We're, lo- we're looking at those stages conveniently for me because then I just have to walk over the 59th Street Bridge and I'll be at the studio. There you go. <laughs> and very nice. Uh, you know, the, 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 the facade, in fact, they still have Silver Cup over it. They oh, yeah, they still got the sign. Now. I see it every time I go over the bridge. Yeah. Every time I go to so the anyway, airport. Go ahead. <laughs> awesome. Anyway, I go there with my 300-page manuscript. It was a nonfiction book about a cop I worked with who became a private investigator. But I wrote it in, in, a, in a different way. I wanted to make it funny because any of these books that are written uh, about people, particularly cops, is I did that, I did this, I did that. It puts me to sleep. So mm. I wanted to change the format. And I, I, I made it serious. I made it funny. I, I did what I thought was going to sell, but I still couldn't get rid of it. I couldn't, I couldn't find an agent. Agents generally, if you're looking for a good agent, they, they already have a stable of writers. They don't want to talk to somebody who's never been published. Of course, so yeah. I was not banging my head against the wall, but I knew I almost had pulling the publishing business. So I took, now understand he didn't know me. Uh, Imus was fired from uh, WNBC in the mid-80s for a uh, substance abuse and alcohol problem, which he freely admitted to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was really on the skids, and he lived on the west side where the 24th Precinct was. I worked in a 2-4. I was a sergeant there. Before I got promoted to lieutenant, I went to Queens. But uh, He used to come in on a Saturday night. We used to feed him. Couldn't even feed himself. He was so Whoa. really screwed up. Yeah, wow. he was in bad shape, but uh, he, he loved cops. and uh, uh, Like I said, 250 cops in the precinct. He didn't know me. I was introduced to him, but, he, you know, he, uh, as he once said, I don't remember the 80s, let alone people's huh. names. You. Yeah. Everything right. right over his head. I go to the studio. Uh, what got me into his office was the fact that I was a retired at the time. I'm a retired lieutenant now. Uh, and I walk in there with this manuscript under my arm. And understand, when you hand in a manuscript, it's not bound. Uh-huh. It's right. all loose pages wrapped up with rubber bands. Right. They don't want them bound because you know these, uh, people read them uh, in the business. They read them a couple pages at a time. They're going out to lunch and take a few pages. They don't want to take a 300-page book with them. Right, right. So uh-huh. that's the purpose of no binding. So anyway, I go in there, and as soon as I walk in, he's got an office the size of a closet, which surprised me. And there are manuscripts literally almost up to the ceiling. Uh, writers dropping off books and they want and and hardcover books too they've already been published so well, he was known and, for that i guess oh big 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 deal in the publishing industry and i introduced myself and like i said he didn't remember me and i said i got this book and he looks at the manuscript and i i, I see him like roll his eyes a little and i figure i'm not going to get anywhere with this guy but he was very polite and uh because i was a cop or an ex-cop mm-hmm. and I, I i left it there with him and uh that was it I go home, I'm living in Pennsylvania. By the time I got home, uh, my wife greets me at the door and says, uh, Don Imus is on the phone. Huh? A seven-hour drive, by the way. Wow. So, uh, I go in there and he, he introduces himself all over again. And he said, uh, come back here right now. I love this book. I'm laughing my ass off. And if, if you made him laugh, he was your friend forever. Wow. Oh, that's funny. That's oh, great. Just make him laugh. And he really appreciates it. What was the name of the book? Jimmy the Wags, Street Stories of a Private Eye. Jimmy the Wags was a guy named Jimmy Wagner. They called him Jimmy the Wags. Huh. He became a private investigator after he left the job like the rest of us did. So he was a, his tr- story was a true character, though. He did, some, he did some enforcement work, some uh, uh, collections. Uh, no strong-arm stuff. He was just there as security when these guys went around to massage parlors picking up their payments. No, but J- Jimmy Wagner, so he's a legitimate guy or a cop? Like he was character. he was a retired police sergeant, became a private investigator. Well, that doesn't sound like an investigator. It sounds like a collection guy to me. Well, <laughs> to we say. all do a lot of things. I mean, I was a PI. I got at Howard Stern for four years. I did this. I did that. You do anything they pay you to do. Right. But anyway, he did no strong up. So he was just there for security. Just stood there. Most of the times he waited in the car. Because he had He's, a gun. That's why. The guys got busted. And he went with them. And he got arrested for robbery because he was taking money by force. Hello. So I opened the book with him getting sentenced, which was no jail time. You lose your license, uh, your PI license, lose your pistol license, lose everything, but no jail time. So I start the book off with that, and then I continue with his story, and I made it very funny. That's great. Uh, I just appreciated that. 
But anyway, I said, I, I live in Pennsylvania. I'm seven hours away. He says, ah. he didn't put it this way, but he said, I don't care. He said, get back in the car and come back. So I did. I turned around 14 hours on the wow. road. Wow. And the next morning, he hand carries me practically to his agent. I don't know, Gianni, you probably heard of ICM, the agency. Of course. Jesus, like ICM. The, one of the biggest Jack in the Gelati world. in the world. Yeah, like huge. He, yeah. Another uh, one. I was with agent. them for years. What's that? I was with them myself oh, you for are? years. Okay. Yeah, they're on okay. both coasts. Yeah, they do, uh, they do uh, uh, actors, books. They're they do all, all kinds of talent. International yeah. Creative Management, mm, ICM. Okay. Yeah, Got it. international talent, everything. So his agent, his book agent, who I published sold, or sold his four books, was huge. And she had caught her office the whole bit. He takes me in there and he basically said, you will stop what you're doing and you will read this book. And I guarantee it, you're going to love it. You're going to get this kid. He's a kid. I'm like, 49 years old. He said, <laughs> you will publish this kid's book and that'll make me happy. So anyway, she sold it one day. One day, HarperCollins. Oh, yeah. Huge, they pick up, yeah, they huge pick up. publisher. Yep, yep. Uh, one of the top six. Buys the book. The advance I got for that book, I have not yet equaled in the eight subsequent books. But those were the days when you got huge advances. Oh, yeah, yeah, they don't do that anymore. Yeah. Oh, okay. They wait for you to, to, to be a bestseller like we are yeah. and you get the money every four months. But right. up then, Back then, rather, they paid you up front. Right. So he did this for me uh, uh, and Wags, because Wags was a retired cop, too. He made it his I'm his pick of the week for like six straight weeks. Really? He kept on repeating the book. Oh, wow. And he would have contests on his radio show. He'd ask a stupid question like, so, the, the fifth caller tells me the correct time to get a book, you know? Yeah. And Harper Collins was feeding him books by the carload. Just to promote him. That's how he got the deal wow. done. Hello. The book... Unknown. Nobody knew who I was. When it was like the record business. They used to do that with DJs. They yeah. Gave, they gave we'll them the records. All. They did the same thing. That, we'll that pay Yeah, it's payola. The, the, the government only the, stopped that. <laughs> only, they weren't paying Imus. You know, Imus no. was working, making millions by that time. But uh, uh, it was number one on Amazon for two straight weeks. Number one out of a couple of million books that they published. That's fabulous. He, what year was this? And he put me on the map. He made my career. And then when the book sold so well, they wanted a sequel. And uh, the publisher uh, at the time was Penguin, because I switched publishers, because they offered more. It's the way the business is. And they said, uh, you think you can get him to write the forward? So now I'm afraid to ask him, because he like, always bites your head off, no matter how much he likes you. And he said, I don't do forwards. If I do a forward for you, I'm going to have to do a forward for everybody, because everybody asks me. You sound like Al Pacino. I can't do that. I'll be writing for the rest of my life. <laughs> you done. Is that what he so said I, to you? Yeah. That's, That's what, what Al Pacino so I, said to us, you know. There you go. Yeah, he meant it. Oh, no, wow. He I said it. If I do that for you, everybody that's asked me in advance and before you is going to hate me, and then I'm going to be asked constantly. Mm. But, yeah, but still, you're my friend. You do it. I know. Well, I look yeah. who we got. Hello. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I, I just tells me this. I'm not going to do it for the for reasons you just said. Mm -hmm. And all I said was, please. And he said, Okay. Wow. <laughs> oh, wow. He and did. No way. Oh, yeah, he did it. That's he writes fabulous. a four-page forward, and actually they splash it on the book cover, forward by Don Imus. Right. That was a bestseller. So I, I owe him. We wouldn't, you and I would not be sitting here talking to each other now if it wasn't for Imus. No. Perhaps then I'll have to thank handcuffs him. would be under different circumstances. Yeah, no, but, <laughs> yeah, no, right. no, but, but not, I mean, I, I can't say enough about that man. And people still badmouth the guy, and it pisses me off. Because it was a radio shtick with his sarcasm and all that. And like you said, sweet. he started so many. Well, you know, it, it's it's interesting when you start talking about radio personalities. Radio personalities had a, a lot more strength than anybody in the you know in the, the 40s, 50s, and 60s because people drove around in their cars listening to radios. There was no but there was iPhones. no streaming. There was no, no streaming. None of, yeah, none of that. And and they they were portable. Uh -huh. Where before, I mean, uh, that's why m my connection, like early on, was Walter Winchell, because he was that powerful. You know, there were so many people. I mean, as you can, we can go on and on. Edward R. Murrow. Nobody even knows who these people are now. Radio. The point is, uh, you're putting it very well. Radio was a big deal, and this was after television. Television came out in the 1950s. I'm talking through the 70s. Yeah, the, radio the, was a big. Deal. It's you remember, Johnny, for a long time. Do you remember? Do you remember WNEW? Of course. Okay, I was there 
they threw a 25th anniversary for WNEW in Madison Square Garden. And I was a kid. I was like 16. And uh, my friend's parents got tickets and gave it to their son and me. And we went to this thing. It was every major star Sinatra was there. I mean, everybody, everybody was there. You know, big, when they went off the air, they went off the air in, I think, 85 uh, yeah. with their format, which was popular music. Right. Because it wasn't popular anymore, right. for lack of a better term. I, I was sad for like years when they went off the well, air. Well, you know, as, as I said in, in the book that you and I wrote, for the radio, for five years was my conduit to the world in 1949 well, when I got yeah, my... Yeah, you were in Bellevue. When you yeah. were in the... Uh, uh, I got Bellevue. my first oh, radio right. when I was like, turned seven, December 12th. I what did you my, listen to? Well, at, at that time, it was WNEW and yeah. uh, WINS, W-I-N-S. Yeah. And um, that's when they... You know, I, I met Sinatra, who became a lifelong friend and my idol, because that day... They were only talking about Frank Sinatra and his ties, being Italian-American, humble beginnings. And here I am. I, I gave up, basically. I was there five or six months with nobody. And, uh, you know, you were a little kid. And then I have got to to turned around by Sinatra. And the day I told him that was about three or four years, no, it was six years later to be exact, that when I finally met him at the Copa, and uh, he teared up. But radio then, even, I mean, I can remember Molly Goldberg, and I mean, that's all I listened to the radio 24 hours a day. You know, what I, was I, I going to do? This this might sound strange, but I still listen to old time radio. There are stations, there are podcasts. You know, oh, you're uh, kidding. Amos and Andy, uh, John oh, they were Dollar, nuts. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of old radio shows. Oh, and yeah. I like it because it reminds me of my youth. I, I was, uh, I was. Radio drama went off the air before I was born, or a, a lot of it did. Right. The, the, the oh, yeah, last show, here's yeah. a bit of trivia. The last radio drama to go off the air was in 1962 was Gunsmoke. Wow. Huh. It was still a radio show in 1962. That's amazing. It was a television show and the radio. So, so was uh, uh, Dragnet. Dragnet was on the radio. Right. It was on, on, on television. Well, I remember but, the squeaky door, Molly Goldberg. I remember what other shows. Amos and Andy. I still listen to Days and Andy. Amos and Andy. Hilarious. Was, it, was, it was crazy. Uh, there was a guy, you remember Jonathan Schwartz? I don't remember him. Jonathan what? Schwartz had had a an all Sinatra radio show on WNEW. How could I Four hours of Sinatra on Sundays. Wow. Oh, and so, oh, there's a lot of those shows now. His daughters, you know, are, are carrying the torch with... Um, not iHeartRadio. Uh, what, what, what's uh, with Stern at now? What studio is Sirius. Sirius. Oh, Sirius yeah. XM. And they have their own yeah. channel, their own, their own show. Hmm. Sinatra and the girls do it, Nancy and Tina. Oh, wow. It. Yeah. But I mean, not, I, if I didn't have a radio, like, like you pointed out, I may not be talking to you either. The radio yeah, brought, exactly, brought yeah. me out of my whole mm -hmm. shell. And you know, and people when you know when I met early on, in, indirectly didn't know who the guy was was Walter Winchell, and I didn't realize his strength, and he was the conduit to uh, Jay Gahuba for Frank Costello, so they were out every night, and then most listeners don't know there was a rag sheet out that was so popular called the Inquirer, it was a magazine that was uh, on every supermarket's counter. And, you know, people with two heads. It was the craziest thing in the well, world. Well, it's still out now, but it's a different format. The one, the format you're talking about was really weird. Like oh, you say, really? the monster with two heads lands in Jersey, and they have pictures of it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Oh, no, it was yeah. all that. And, and, and you won't believe it. One of the richest men in the United States at that time, and uh, he, if you go to NYU, you'll see two-story Portrait of him. He donated that much money. Who was he? Pope. You. Uh, uh, what was this? Real? His father was Italian. I, I know the whole Pope family, but and the, their son, who used to hang out with uh, Walter Winchell, Frank Costello, and he was a a goofy type of guy, but they liked him. And I remember when I used to bring money to the Inquirer office for payroll. He. Frank Costello financed it. And years, I mean, as years went on, 
He says, why don't you put something in the newspaper? I said, what can I put in the newspaper? And I came up with something that was ingenious, I thought, for about two years. I copied every college ring, Air Force ring, Army ring in white metal and put it on the back page. And people were buying $15. And I was making them up in Providence, Rhode Island, where Raymond Petriaca for about $2. And we chopped up that money. And every time I wanted to give Costello an envelope, he said, you're crazy, keep it. That's how I got How old were you then? I was like 16, 17. Jeez, you had that entrepreneurial streak. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I was like, do something. And I always wanted a high school ring, how it came about. it. I wanted to impress people. Everywhere. That's when you got a high school ring, you wore a high school ring. Yeah, but you, see, you have to go to high school first. I, I know, right but now. I wanted to cut corners. <laughs> I figured, I found the guy on 47th Street was making them. He said, well, the white metal business, which I didn't know, is just casting. He said, that's in Rhode Island. So I was going to Rhode Island anyway to see Raymond and, and uh, a couple of people. And so I went up there. I said, how can I get, you know, white jewelry? They all laughed. They said, why? He says he owns everything up here. It was cylindrical force, a rubber thing. You buy one ring. They make a mole with it. It's, and they, they pour just regular cast iron into the funnel, spun it out, and they polish it, plate it. And then I had all these high school rings, and I figured, let's do military <laughs> ring. Because people like to see, oh, you're in the military? you got a Navy ring on. You know, you get girls at 18, 19, they all thought you were Just think, if you had any of those rings now, you could probably sell them on eBay for thousands. Of, of course. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, don't say that. I'll probably find them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I keep everything. But it's it's, it's amazing how and I, I see even my, my grandchildren. They're so unattached to anything that's real. Everything is fictitious. I saw it early on with my kids, Bonnie. We're all watching this purple dragon, whatever it was. And nobody uses their imagination or radio. I mean, radio was a great way to just fantasize and lose yourself. Well, you know, known as the theater of the mind. Is that what it's known as? Wow. Yeah, the theater of the mind. I used to, when, when I was a kid, plaster, you know, when they first came out with transistor radios. Oh, yeah. Uh, transistor radios were considered small. You know, they're about the size of a brick and weigh about as much. But that was the smallest radio you can get. Before oh, yeah. that, there, he, there, were, there were consoles like suitcases. And it ran on batteries. Oh, yeah. My yeah. grandmother had a radio. It looked like a television. Bigger than a television set. Oh, yeah. It's huge. Well, it was it was like four feet tall. Oh, really? Oh, had big It was literally and, furniture. Yeah, it was furniture. Wood. Beautiful. Oh, no. What was that oh, one it, radio drama? Um, it was like the alien invasion or something. War of the Worlds, is that? War, War of the Worlds, Orson Wells. Orson Wells. Yes, yes, and, yes. and people were actually going to bomb shelters thinking people it was People thought happening. it was real when they tuned yeah, in like yeah. halfway through. I yeah. remember well, hearing it about was, that. It, it was a drama. H.G. Uh, Wells' War of the Worlds. Orson Wells was so convincing as the announcer. Uh, he said that aliens are landing in New Jersey. He was so convincing. There was a couple of suicides out of that, you know. Really? No, it went I, that I, far? I don't know how far it went. Oh, but... yeah. Ooh. It went way far. And it's still on occasionally. You know, these old uh, r uh, radio podcasts that I occasionally listen to. I have listened they, to a portion they'll, of they'll, it. They'll, they'll, uh, they'll, they'll play it every now and then. If anybody is interested, the podcast is Boxcars 7-Eleven. has the biggest array of all-time radio. Any subject, westerns, drama, crime, Box comedies, musicals. Boxcars 7-Eleven. Look for the podcast. It's got great stuff on it. But like you mentioned, you know, uh, like a guy like Imus... How many people, uh, the biggest guy I could think of is, is Howard Stern. I mean, I followed Howard for years, and I, I love the guy and what he's accomplished. But you know what I like about him more so most people don't know? His loyalty to his people. I mean, his crew is still with him. When he made the offer, they all got the offer. When they made money on the stock, they all made money on the stock. Tell you, out of all the bodyguard assignments I ever had, I, I was with Howard for about three years. The only guy that ever tipped me, I would do something for him, me a thousand dollars. Wow! Really? Yeah, a thousand dollars. This was in the uh, late eighties, early nineties. What a nice guy! That's a lot oh, of money. Uh, Howard can't say enough. I can say good things about, about him. him when I knew him then. I don't know him now. I haven't any contact with him for many years. But what a nice, pleasant guy! Parties at his house. He lived in one of the five towns. I forget which which one it was on Long Island. Yeah, with the daughters at that time. Yeah, well, he was with his first wife, but right. uh, he he had a, a he he the guy loved Corvettes. How a guy at six foot seven fit in the Corvette, I'll never be able to figure out. Wow. But I had a Corvette. Every time I went to the house, when he had parties there, uh, 
the the parking area closest to his house was just for Corvettes. Oh, that's uh, and I was able to park my vet there. Otherwise, I'd have to walk a mile. He's like Seinfeld. If park. you bring a Porsche, there's parking space <laughs> yeah, for you. Yeah, you were out of luck if you bought a Porsche. Yeah. He loved his vest. But, but Seinfeld nice did that, guy. too. I mean, huh. I still have uh, he, his wife, his first wife, painted this can for me. I got to show it to you next time uh, oh, yeah. we're doing a FaceTime thing. I still have it. It was uh, her original art. She was a bit of an artist. It was nice. Because I did the security for his first book, uh, Private Parts. Oh, yeah. And I, I did, there was a, a, a party, a, a book party. That was, I did the security for that. And uh, it was his, you know, my gift to him was, you know, I don't want to get paid, you know, so I'll just do it. And she painted me this thing, like I said, which I still have, I keep uh, old receipts in it. Oh, but that's a, great. Nice family, nice guy. I don't know what he's like now, but I can only speak for him what he was like then. Sweetheart. He hasn't changed much. I don't think he's don't changed know. much because, you know, he sent a message to me. Recently, remember we approached him to do the, the show. You did, the, I did. Nothing yeah. seemed to work. Right. No, no, but the bottom line was that we didn't yeah. know his new book was coming out. That's and, no and, reason. I know that, but I'm trying to be nice. But yeah. I, he, he could have. <laughs> but no, but, and, and you know, but the guy was good to me, like you're saying, he was good to you. I so was very good to Whatever me. reason he didn't want to promote our book, it, it worked without him. But who, who knows? But he helped me early on, not, not help me, not, not that I needed any help. I was insane no matter what. Mm -hmm. But he really got me out there, and which impressed me after 20 years on the radio. They did a, a, a census to his audience, and I was picked as one of the top 10 interviews after 20 years. So How many I, times were you on? I don't even remember. I used to do a lot of phone-ins, but a lot of studio stuff. Used to bring yeah. me in to be judges and all this because I was outspoken. He loved that. I didn't care. Yeah. But the funniest thing, I saw him in the Hamptons many years after, and he was getting nineteen ninety five right now. If you go on Howard Hughes on demand, my interview is nineteen dollars. So I said to him, I says, "Don't I get a cut of this?" He said, "You don't need any money." I said, "Why well, you do?" <laughs> <laughs> Howard Stern. Well, what other greats would you think influenced you? In, in radio? Definitely, uh, anything that was on WNAW, I grew up with. It, it it gave me my taste in music that lasts to this day. I mean, I used to go in in, uh, uh, in Queens on Roosevelt Avenue, if you know the area, there's a big uh, elevated train there. Yeah. But under that train, in the 70s and 80s, 70th Street to 80th Street and, and in between, and in the immediate area were a lot of jazz joints. Oh, wow. Uh, Freddie Cole, Nat King Cole's brother, used to play at a place called the Toon Timers on, on, on Northern Boulevard. That was there up until about 15 years ago. That's hmm. funny. And, and then it was a big jazz scene in Queens. And because of WNAW and the music I used to listen to as a kid, I was sneaking into these places underage. I had a had forged ID. I used to go and have a couple of cocktails <laughs> and listen to these guys. Wow. You know, and this was a neighborhood joint. You got Freddie Cole there. Oh, I didn't know Sonny you were in, uh, into there. music like that. I went to Queens once. You'll never believe who I went to see. Oh. Barry Manilow. He was playing keyboards for Bette Midler. Wow. That's how we started, yeah. Yeah. So, well, and then, I mean, obviously we had a big hit with him, Never Love This Way Again. But, did I uh, tell you, did I tell you the Manuel Noriega story? No. Manuel Noriega was the dictator of Panama I know in the well. 80s, and he Excuse was me. the conduit. I for know Columbia. him well. Are you crazy? Okay. Uh, uh, Noriega was the conduit for Colombian cocaine to get it into the United States. He let them use the country. I'll so tell you another story. Let me interject. Well, my, I went to Panama to get to meet Pablo Escobar after John made the thing. I had to go there first. I went that way into Colombia. Well, they allowed it. Yeah. See, uh, Escobar basically <laughs> ran the country. George Bush, the first George Bush, the first president of right. Bush, de declared Colombia a, a rogue state, which gave him the right to invade it. And he did. Yeah. So he invades. Uh, he, he sent in the Navy SEALs first and, and, and the Army. In fact, the guy that I worked with, he was my boss uh, where I teach. He, he was wounded in Panama, one of the few that got hit uh, during the invasion. Wow. Uh, Noriega goes on a run. Panama is a very small country. You're not going anywhere. Oh, you're yeah. going to run. You're staying in Panama. He holds up in in some civilian's house. He just ran in off the street. He had nowhere to go. And he's holding his family hostage. Now, they don't know 
what he's got, if he's armed or whatever. They know there's a family in there. Now, the every media outlet in the world is there. So the military's got to be very careful with what they do. It's a big story. I mean, the light's all over the place. They're trying to coax Noriega out of the house. Everybody's armed. They can't shoot their way in. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just looks bad. It's bad press. Hello. So you know what they did? They set up speakers around the house, and they played Barry Manilow music <laughs> at full friggin' blast. Are you kidding days, me? I love and it. Mario, uh, and, and Manuel Noriega comes out with his hands up. Do whatever you want with me. Shut the music off. That <laughs> is hysterical. It was one song, too. Uh, oh, my God. Mandy. Mandy. Well, man, the same song over same and over song? again. <laughs> Mandy. Over and over and over again. Probably oh, drove him mad. And, and he surrendered. He said, I'd rather do life than listen to this guy. Wow. And is he that got a, his is wish. that a true story? No. True story. I don't no, know. true story. That's You're smiling. So like funny. That. I don't know. You got that smirk on your face. You got <laughs> no, no, that no, famous. No, I think you would story. admit if it wasn't. That's, that's it how they true. got him out of the house. I you know, know, but uh, you know, truth be told. But he made a deal with George business. Bush too, right? Didn't they make a deal with him? I forgot. I lost contact with him. Well, this was the first George Bush. This was the first President Bush, yeah. not the second President. Oh, Bush. okay. Yeah. This was 1989 or something. Wherever this time. No, I was still a cop. 88. Well, excuse me. In October. Um, October 87 or 86 when I killed a guy. I killed oh, in, in Pablo Escobar. Yeah. Okay, yeah. got so it. Then, I heard about that. Well, I know. Yeah, that, right. You might have written well, about that's it too. A, that, well, I'm saying I never brought that up before because we we, we, we had we had to edit what we had to edit, but John Gotti made the introduction. Well, that, that we got in the book. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying, but yeah. I went, we never mentioned Noriega. No, we never mentioned Panama at all. I know. No, no, yeah. that. Because I still have great connections in Panama, which you and I discussed on yeah, we did. another uh, case. On the case I was working. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, right, yeah. No, it's funny, though. I mean, it's yeah. crazy. Are we self-incriminating ourselves? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I really I, hope not. I don't know who you are. <laughs> I just sat down and I did earphones. I put them on. I, I wasn't no, there. I didn't do it. <laughs> See, that's one thing, folks. Whoever is listening to us, we hope there's thousands of you by now. You oh, never know what you're going to hear. This is crazy. Well, this not was, only that, we don't know what we're going to It's the same thing when I sit down every week, too. <laughs> it's so spontaneous. Like, where the hell did we get this show from? And I knew you wanted to pay homage to your friend Don, John Don Imus. Yeah. Now it's Don Imus. John Donald. John, John Donald. John Donald. Donald. Rest in peace, buddy. 79 years old. God bless her. Yeah, that's the other thing. There's so many people dying around me. <laughs> Hope you, so yeah, many. me too. I'm getting to that age where, you know, you call up a, a guy. He's no longer there. I know. Oh, it's, it's crazy, man. Scary. It's crazy. But I'm not going anywhere. How about you? Not me, man. Yeah, you no, guys are sticking around. That's for sure. I'm... I, I'm I got, I got the. Uh, you got like twenty five years left, at least. And, oh yeah, and not only that, you know what it is. I, I think I don't want to get spiritual, but it's what you do to yourself. That's how I look at it. Mm. What yeah. you feed yourself, how you take care of yourself, and you live. People abuse themselves, going to be abused. But they have fun doing it. Oh yeah, well, I, I can't say I'm boring, but <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot of fun. Certainly not. <laughs> yeah, I heard. Well, I think it's time to go to the mailbags. All right, let's do it. <laughs> and it, they, I remember one thing, seriously, uh, as you just saw it, with, we touch on every subject. So if you want to hear us and our opinion on opinions or stories you think you want to hear, and not for any reasons you may want to hear them, but we'll put a just nice, we'll, we'll, put, we'll put some color to it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> All right. First, I wanted to share a comment that I received from a woman named Christy. Christy says, I found out about you guys on Johnny Dare's show in Kansas City. I Thank travel a Johnny lot. Dare. Yeah, right? He, he promotes us to death, Pat. I don't know if you know Does that. he? I never heard of this guy. Johnny Dare. Go on to Johnny Dare show. Him and A.J. Benzo. We got a lot oh. of people oh, really on our side here. Uh, A.J. Benzo's coming to our show next month. Wait, what? Okay. Coming here to sit with us. No way. Oh, great. Okay. Great. All, All right. Well, I'm going to tell you. To. I'm going to throw this out there, though. You, and, and let the world know. Nobody knows this. What? He was subpoenaed. To testify and the Harvey Weinstein no taste. I just can't wait to talk about that. Oh, me too. What? Because he went to one of his parties? Or maybe one of the girls told him something. I don't know. Well, that's hearsay. They're not going to bring that up. Well, they're bringing uh, him in. He's well, coming. He's got something to say. Otherwise, they're not They're not this bringing him in. Wow. And I don't so know whether it's for the defense or for the plaintiff. I don't know I'm so intrigued by that entire. Well, I tell you, I would never situation. want to be a character witness for. Uh, uh, 
uh, Harvey Weinstein. So I hope it's not a little bit. No, no. But the thing is that uh, so that's for our audience to know. AJ Benz is coming our house. Oh, I'm so excited to be a co-host. All right. So to continue on with this comment, she says, I travel a lot for work, so I spend a lot of time in my car driving around my state. I listen to your podcast while I'm driving. I started on episode one, and I'm already into season two and loving it. Megan, you are adorable. Thank you. (laughs) And I love listening to you as well as Gianni and Pat. I feel like I could just sit and spend an evening chatting with all three of you. Keep up the great work. I love this podcast and you three awesome people. Come by any time you want, girl. Very nice, right? We yeah. we, we save martinis at twelve eight thirty. <laughs> well, that's, well, that's the beauty of this thing. We just sit around and laugh. that's it, and then we have dinner after. It's great. Uh, yeah. All no, right. Well, well, some of us. Do. We wish you could join. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next one is from George, for both Gianni and Pat. George says, Gianni, how many times have you been to Italy? And Pat, have you ever been? Wow. Well, I'll start off. No, you haven't. <laughs> Next, no. That's wow. Wow. I, I've been threatening to go for years. I have a very good friend of mine. He started out as a client, owns a, a house in Orvieto. Orvieto. Which is about 90 miles outside of Rome. I know right he where says, it is. He says, here's the keys whenever you want to go. Yeah. Still haven't made it? No. Still haven't made it. I'll tell you, Italy, Italy is interesting because I, I, to answer a question, there was a time I was going once a week. Oh. And then there was, an, and then we started going every other week, but I, I couldn't even tell you how many You couldn't even count no, if no. you tried. And then I stayed there. For twenty-two months straight, after the Kennedy assassination. Right. So I mean, I, Italy. Uh, I couldn't. And you know what's so funny? What I was about to say is beautiful. It is. You have to bring your own party because after two or three days, it gets boring. <laughs> There's so many churches, so many museums, which I don't visit anyway, right. other than the Vatican. But it's it, you have to bring a party to Rome or any part of Italy because. What's gets, your favorite area, Jenny? Well, I, I like the Amalfi Coast. I could say. Oh, I wish I, I could go. I, I want to go there so badly. Positano. My and my I, not just because my I have a whole group of my family on the Nabaladan side. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and a great guy, and he owns mostly everything. And the most gracious host, Giovanni Russo, and his family just his sons uh, carried on the tradition. They just finished a five-year project. They built a billion-dollar hotel Oof. between Positano and Ser- and uh, Sorrento. Wow! It was his last. I'll get thing. that one day. Yeah, we'll one go. day, Pat. But it yeah. was great. All next. right. So the next question kind of goes off of the one that we were just talking about. Um, this is from Mitchell. Mitchell says, "My wife and I plan on traveling to Italy for the first time for a week in 2020. Based on your experiences there, which cities or areas do you recommend visiting?" First time, go to Rome. I mean, I mean, you know, Vatican. I, I mean, if it's the summer, I mean, there's so many places to go. Then go to Positano. Go to Capri. How, how big is your budget? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next one is from Tom. This one is directed at me. Um, Tom says, hey, Megan, you have mentioned in the past where you and Gianni first met on vacation. What was the hotel where you first started your epic friendship? <laughs> Whoa. We were just there again. We were. And let's clean that up. We were all with family. I was with my fiance. Yes, I was with my parents and, and my siblings. Parents and siblings. But yeah, it was our one-year friendship anniversary. Yeah. It was Where the was that? It was the at Hilton. the Hilton in Marco Island, Florida. Okay. Great place. Really, really nice. Beautiful this year. All right, next one is from John. John says, I was wondering if you have any stories of Joseph Glimko or any Teamster stories from Chicago. No. <laughs> I was on the higher end. I was with Mr. Fitzsimmons mm. and uh, then uh, another guy, Alan Dorfman, who found his demise in a parking lot one day. So I really never dealt with those other people. <laughs> I, I my, my whole team's situation was Kansas City. Got it. All right. So the next one is from Dominic. So I'm going to guess for Gianni, I'm from Toronto, Ontario, Canada, and I'm just wondering if you're familiar with the Toronto mob and if you've spent some time in the city. I do, and I'm not mentioning the names because I'm on my way up. <laughs> <laughs> Have you been to Toronto? Yeah, of course. I love Toronto. No. I shot some movies up there. Of course I did. shot uh, um, Harvard Man with um, Sarah Michelle Gellar. I shot, we shot The Freshman up there, a big part of The Freshman. Oh, okay. I love Toronto. 
Toronto's a nice little city. It is. It's beautiful. Very yeah, clean, real right? Real nice. And tell, I'll be at Falls View Casino mm-hmm. many times. Right there in Niagara Falls. All right. Next one is from Mitchell for Gianni. Mitchell says, after you had to leave the country because of the til- children's TV show fiasco, how long did it take until you were able to safely come back to the country? And what event occurred that allowed for that? They all got convicted. <laughs> Easy enough. Well, you were sneaking back the little oh, yeah, there, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. Nobody knew that. Got it. Well, they do now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's out there now. I don't have that house anymore either. So. All right. <laughs> <Who cares? laughs> All right. So next one is from Joe. Joe says, I absolutely love the original Ocean's Eleven. Every time I watch it and see the class, glitter, and glamour of old Vegas, being only 32, I feel like I missed out on a very special era. During that time, how financially accessible was a trip to Vegas for most average Americans working normal jobs in the late 50s and early 60s? Was this a trip that most people could make comparable to other typical vacations, or was it, the, or was this the playground for mostly upper class? Oh, no, cheap. not really. I, I mean, if you were a gambler, you didn't pay for anything. But the flights were very cheap. Everything was cheap. They wanted you hotels to come. too. Yeah, they expected hot- you to gamble. They wanted twenty five dollars for a hotel room at that time. Yeah, and then if you went to the buffets, you eat for nothing. So yeah. I mean, it was you really, also drank for nothing if you were gambling. Yeah, so, they I still mean, do that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, more so now than ever. Yeah. No, but, uh, I mean, the Vegas. So I was on the set of Ocean's Eleven when they were shooting that. It was I, I, I would sit there at night saying, wait a minute. They're working all day. They're on stage at night. And then they're partying until the sun come up. When do they sleep? <laughs> that is a certain kind of person that I cannot no, relate yeah. to. Me either. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. That's one of the first trips out there. They were ship. I remember they were shooting. Angie Dickinson was in that, hmm. and it was, it was a great caper story. The, the, the and I mean what uh, you know uh, George Clooney did with and all that. It's now it's now the women are doing Ocean's Eleven. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's just yeah, they made it a bit too high tech. That was a story yeah. about people. Yeah, about people. It was a good story. Yeah, I still watch it. I can't tell you how many times I saw that. Really? Yeah, fifty minimum. Really? It was on last week. I got to watch again. Was it right after that, then that's when Sinatra did all the Tony Rome series, The Detective in Florida. Lady in Cement. Yeah, Lady in Cement. That was Cement. the first one. How do right. I remember this stuff? I, I don't know, know where I parked my car. <laughs> no, it's funny because I was on every set. Every set. I was a groupie, yeah. but I was making tons of money. Mm, of course. And uh, so I would go down and just hang out with them all. Hmm. It was fun. One more? Please. All sure. right. So this one is from Frank. We have a comment and question. Frank says, hi, love the podcast. Just started to subscribe and just bought Gianni's book. You three are great together. I'm from Staten Island and appreciate the stories and subject matter. Keep up the great work all and thanks for putting relevant content out there today. Gianni's references to God and his faith are awesome and Pat's time on the force is greatly appreciated. You do a great job navigating the show, which I'm sure is no easy task. Question, what do you guys think of the Cafe Roma in Little Italy? The Cafe Roma, it's my friend. No, Are you I'm not oh my gosh. Hold it. Cafe Roma, my friend. The next time you go down there, you tell baby John, you know me personally. <laughs> and I'll charge you double. No, 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 he wouldn't. <laughs> go close for him. Baby John lives on Staten Island. Are you kidding? Cafe Roma. I'm in there all the time. Wow. If I'm on, if I'm on Mulberry Street, I'm at Cafe Roma. He said, my favorite cannoli, great memories of my dad taking me there when I was young. He recently passed away at 92 and would have loved this Your show. Your dad did, not baby John. <laughs> no, his dad. Oh, yeah, thank God. No, great, great, show. great way to close the show. Right? Perfect. All right. Everyone, thank you so much again. Oh, I got a better way to close the show. Okay. How's what? that? I can mention my books. Again? <laughs> Go ahead, <laughs> shoot. Well, that was last week. This Why this not? Week. Do it every week. All oh, right, yeah, of course. It, 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 until somebody buys one, then okay. I'll stop. Okay, I'll right. buy them. I've, I've I've launched a uh, a, a detective series. Uh, they're in soft cover, available on Amazon. First one is called Bloodshot Eyes, three words. The second one is called Pop Line. Uh, it's about a, uh, a private investigator. I try to make it as realistic as 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 I could. This is fiction. Uh, one is based on a case that I worked. It's a series, but they're uh, standalone books. You can buy them separately. Or together, and they're, they're they're good reads. If I do say so myself, thank you very much. How many pages are, is it? Yeah, be each one about two fifty, I guess. And what, what's the price of everyone to go on? I, I I I underpriced them so people will buy them ten bucks. Wow! 
Yeah. Ten bucks can buy paper for that. Two hundred fifty right. pages of paper. Why? Yeah, you, no, they, I hope they, you they, must they, be selling they, millions they, of them. I'm selling books, and I want to sell some more. God bless. I, 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 hey, I have to buy another cat. There you go. I'll send you one. Anyway, <laughs> we, we, got three we, res- we rescue cats. So Okay. All right. Well, everybody, thank you. Support his book, please. And everything else we're doing in life. God bless you all. Yeah, thank you for listening. Good night. Good night, guys. Good night. Thank you for tuning in to the Hollywood Godfather podcast. My name is Megan Horan. You can contact Gianni Russo, Patrick Picciarelli, or myself with your questions and comments through the contact section of our website, hollywoodgodfatherpodcast.com. You can also call and leave us a message at 646-776-3038. Regarding Gianni's motivational speaking appearances, you can visit his website, giannirusso.com. You can also visit amazon.com for a listing of books Patrick Picciarelli has written. Remember to follow us on Instagram at Hollywood Godfather Podcast, as well as leave us a review on iTunes. We'd like to know what you like about what we're doing, what you'd like to hear in the future, and anything else you might suggest to improve our podcast. Most importantly, hit the subscribe button. We'll be back next week with stories of the mob and Hollywood, as well as answers to your emails and voicemails. Good I what I had to do And saw it through Without exemption I planned each charted course Each careful step Along the byway But more more than this I did it my way Oh there were times I'm sure you knew when I bit off more than I can chew But through it all and there were doubt I ate it up and spit it out and I stood tall To all my friends out there who are in the neighborhood, or I hope it's your neighborhood, I'll be at the Roslyn Hotel in Roslyn, New York, February 9th at 3 o'clock Sunday afternoon. You gotta come for the old-style Italian dinner. It's a show, an offer you can't refuse. So go to their website, which is myfathersplace.com. Make your reservations. This is this February 9th in a couple of weeks on a Sunday afternoon.